Thank you. Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture, which comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 11. It begins on page 1840 in the Pew Bibles. Hear the word of God. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day... Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Okay, so before Easter, we're doing this series on freedom. And with Palm Sunday and Easter, I decided to take a couple weeks off and focus on the, the events of the days. But I want to get back to this particular series, and I'll have this message today, and I'm going to finish it up next week. But hopefully, my goal has been all along to get you to rethink your relationship with the Lord, to know the freedom that we have because of who Jesus is and what he did. And this passage today really, really ties into that a lot, but not on the surface. If we just read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, what we just read, and we don't come in with the context of what Paul was really talking about, we might say, okay, uh, what's he talking about? People who drink, drink at night, and they sleep at night. and We might get really confused. But in the lens of understanding the freedom we have in the Lord, it really does fit quite well. Now, Paul doesn't explicitly tell us this, but what he's trying to say in this passage is that we need to know who we are in Jesus. He makes one statement that really stands out, and that is, God did not appoint you to suffer wrath because of what Jesus did. So, what's the wrath of God? Well, we really need to go back to the beginning if we to understand this. Back to the beginning of Genesis. Walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, God every day walking with them, and everything was good. His creation had been created. His people had been created. Everything was good. There was nothing wrong. There was no deceit in the world. There was no power-hungry people in the world. There was no pride. There was no greed. There was no gluttony. There was nothing bad in the world. And then Satan comes along. 
who's already an enemy of God because he tried to ascend to the level of God. He tried to be who God is. He tried to go beyond who he really is to be who God is. He thought he could. And God kicked him out. And he says, okay, you know what? I'm going to mess with your creation now. And he goes to Eve and he tells her to eat from the tree of knowledge when God said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's that simple. And they didn't. But Satan comes along and entices her. Changes everything. That's why we have all these things in the world. Because of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which a sin is a sin in the eyes of God to eat of that tree. And now all of their offspring, Adam and Eve's offspring, suffer the same fate. We have sin in our lives. So God says, I'm going to rectify this. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to bring her offspring to crush your head, is what he told Eve. Your offspring will crush his head and he will bruise your heel. By the way, do you know what an idiom is? An idiom is like a play on words. Like if I say, give him the whole nine yards, it means you're giving it all you got because nine yards was the length of a chain of bullets in World War I or two. I can't remember which one. And when they gave them the whole nine yards, they gave them everything they had. So it's an idiom that becomes part of our, a figure of speech becomes part of our language. To bruise the heel means to deceive. That's what it means in, in Hebrew. It's a Hebrew idiom. It means to deceive. So Eve's offspring will crush the head of Satan, but he will deceive your offspring. And that's what he's been doing. God has appointed to, unto Satan his wrath, his vengeance. Think if, if you made something really good. I, I, I've, we can see this in kids. My, my son, when he was, I don't know, probably five or six years old, he would build these things out of... Uh, blocks, like giant Lego blocks, and he'd build these big towers, and my youngest daughter would come by, and she'd just, one swipe of the hand, and she'd knock it right over. It was kind of funny <laughs> to think about it, but, <laughs> but anyway, he would get so angry, because he just made this wonderful creation, and now it's destroyed, and that's the way God felt. I made this wonderful creation, and Satan destroyed it. God knew he would. God knew all along. God's plan, nobody can fool God. He had a plan all along to let us fall into sin, to bring Jesus to redeem us. But he still said, I'm going to pour out my wrath on Satan for what he did. So we read the Old Testament, and we see this vengeful, wrathful God, who is the same God then as he is now. And a lot of times people say, oh, well, we shouldn't do these things. We can't do these things and because God's going to be angry with us if we do these things. And yes, there are many things in this world we shouldn't do. I don't need to make a list. You know what they are. But the question is, what does God feel about it now that Jesus died on the cross? That's what Paul's talking about. Paul is saying, remember who you are in Christ. You are a child of God if you believe that Jesus died for you. And nothing, let me repeat that, nothing. Do you know what nothing means? Nothing is going to change that. Not what you do, not what someone else does, not what someone says, not what someone believes about you. Nothing changes the fact that you are a child of God because Jesus died for you. 
And nothing can change that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You can think of the absolute worst thing you can do in this life. Or you can think of what someone else has done. Let's pick a couple names. Jeffrey Dahmer, Osama bin Laden, Timothy McVeigh. Terrible things these three people did. If they're believers, if they, when they were living, were believers in Jesus Christ, they're in heaven. I know that's hard for us to accept, isn't it? Osama bin Laden? If he's a believer, I don't know if he was or not, then God accepted him. Because God is not punishing us for the sin of Satan. Now, the only time God will is if we don't believe that he has redeemed us. If we don't believe that Jesus died for us. If we don't believe in him. If we don't believe that God exists and we go to our deaths believing God doesn't exist, why would he save you then? You're on your own. You're on your own. But when you believe that, you change. You become sealed. You're free from the wrath of God. It is now appointed to Satan and anyone who follows him. But if you follow in Christ, you're not following Satan. If you put your faith in Christ, you're not following Satan. And you might say, well, I can still do that. Sure. Where's your faith at, really? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for anybody. Only God can. But God has said, if your faith is in Christ, you're not following Satan, and you are not appointed unto wrath. We have freedom from the wrath of God. So what I'm trying to get at is we need to live our lives every day knowing that, yes, we will mess up because we are broken. I'm going to show you an illustration. I just thought of something. Somebody mentioned this at the workshop a couple weeks ago, and I had heard this before, but I'm going to illustrate it for you. What brokenness means, if I can get it open. So a young boy had a, a stick, and he loved his stick, and he was, you know, he'd shake it up, and he'd toss it around, and he'd play with it. And his brother saw it one day and said, we see that stick. His brother grabbed it and cracked it open. And the boy started crying. He's like, that's my stick. You just broke it. And then he starts looking at his stick. And he shakes it a little bit. He says, oh, it's a different color. It's changing. It's better than it was. Sometimes things need to be broken in order to get better. They need to be broken in order to have a different. There's a light inside of here, but that light couldn't come out until it was broken, until I snapped it in half. So God allowed this world to be broken so he could show his incredible love for us, which he showed in the garden. Wow, paradise. We all long for that. But he allowed it to be broken so we could show even more incredible love by still allowing us to have a choice in our everyday lives. But when that choice changes to choosing Jesus, we go beyond what Adam and Eve had. Oh, they thought they had it good. They thought they, you know, now I got to work to make things grow. Now I'm going to have pain when I have children. Yeah, 
but you get eternal life with the Lord and you get to see the love of God in this life because he allowed it to be broken. Satan gets thrown away. He gets the wrath of God. So my point is pretty simple. Don't let people tell you that you are not loved by God. Don't let people tell you that you have to do this, 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 and this in order to get into the grace of God. There is no list. There is no list because even believing is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you are saved, and this through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. He's given us the gift of faith to believe it all comes from him. So there is no list of how to be righteous. There is no list of how to be better. When I was in college, I, I had two choices. I was either going to be a software developer or I was going to be a psychologist. Those were the two things that interested me. Software development won out. That's what I do in my life now, but always been interested in psychology. And one of the things that I remember about psychology is that People will try, when, they're, when they feel like they're suffering, when they feel like they're missing something, when they feel like something's just off, they will try to bring others in to make them feel better. Because if others are suffering with me, then I'm not the only one suffering, so things are better. So a lot of times what people in churches will do is they'll get into this really bad way in their life, and maybe they've gone into sin, maybe they've had difficulties and they start to make lists of things that people must do in order to know God. Because what that does is that brings them down, brings the people that understand that salvation by faith alone, Paul said, on the helmet of salvation, knowing that we have this salvation. So they bring it down to a lower level where we start to add things to it, and it makes the person who thought of it feel better. Okay, now I'm not alone. There's other people suffering with me. Don't do that to one another. Tell one another, you're a child of God. You're going to heaven. I don't care how bad you messed up. Take it to God. Allow him to help you fix it. Allow him to help you make it right. Allow him to break you so your light can shine. When we follow one another's list or, you know, things that we feel we have to do, you got to pray a certain way. you got to say and your prayer a certain way. you got to give this amount to the church. You know, if you give, then God will give back to you. I'm sorry, but that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible, okay? It's just not in there. So anyway, all these things that we come up with, they're items that are brought to us by the one who knows he's appointed unto wrath. They're brought by the enemy because he wants to bring us down to his level because he knows what's coming for him. And God didn't give him grace like he gave us. And that makes him mad. How Think about it. If, if two people do something wrong and, and a judge says to one of them, I'm going to let you go, but this one, I'm going to give you the full book. I'm going to just lay it on you. And they both did something wrong. Maybe it was the same thing. How would you think that one person would feel who's getting everything poured on them? 
That's Satan. God didn't give him grace, but he gave it to us. And he hates us because of it. He wants to bring us to his level. Don't let him do it. You are a child of God. And God allowed you to be broken so your light could shine. And that light is Jesus Christ that is in you. You will not suffer the wrath of God. You will not. It will come someday. And you know what? There are people who, who turn this into a doctrine called the pre-tribulation rapture. They say, oh, we're all going to be taken away. No, I believe we'll be here. Just like Israel suffered through the plagues with, in Egypt, but they weren't affected. There's precedence that we might be here. If we're living, we might be here during this time of wrath being poured out, but we won't be touched because God will be with us and protect us. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. You can disagree with me if you want, but that's okay. My point is, live your life every day knowing that because Jesus died for you, though I mess up, he's given me grace. Though I make mistakes, he helps me correct them. Though I don't know which way to go, and I might go the wrong way, he brings me back to the right path. And though I feel like I have nothing in me, because I'm broken, I got the light of Jesus living in me. And nothing can take that away. There's nothing I can do to take this light out of here. I can break it open and let it pour out, but that light's still shining. It's still shining. Because that's what God has done for us. He's given us incredible freedom. So we'll finish this up next week. And then Chad and Kathy will grace us with their wonderful messages the next two weeks. So I do encourage you to come because they are both anointed by God and it will be good. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting your light shine in us, for allowing us to be broken that you can shine in us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for all the work that your son did. Now, from this day forward, help us to understand more what that means. Draw us in to a stronger relationship with you that each and every day we get these thoughts in our mind that we say, oh, I know what that means. And we draw closer to you so that we can shed these things that have been poured into our lives that are meaningless and falsehoods. Let us know your truth so that we can truly be free in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.